I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high-quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere. You know, the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwein, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwein, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Chanti. And I'm Lynx, and you're listening to Muses. Enjoy the show. Today, we've got an awesome episode for you. It's an interview with Joe Wood. Last July, we celebrated the dazzling Joe Wood by reading her memoir, It's Only Rock and Roll, and sharing her story. This July, we got to chat with the woman herself and are over the moon to share this interview with her. In this episode, we talk about Joe's teen years in the modeling industry, her hilarious introduction to the Rolling Stones and Ron Wood, and some of her favorite memories of life on the road with the boys. We also talk about Joe's passion for organics and how she turned a negative diagnosis not only into a positive life plan, but also a full-blown business. Joe shares some tips on how you too can build toward the goal of sustainable living. Make sure to check out her awesome Instagram account for some delicious meal goals. All of this and so much more on today's episode. Enjoy! beautiful here we it's constant i mean everybody's now complaining because 
uh, it's too hot. So that's typical English. Mm-hmm. It's complaining it's too cold and complaining it's too hot. <laughs> well, I I don't. I I never complain about the heat, but I'm such a swimmer, so I try to get myself in any lake, any river, any ocean. So I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna head to either the pool or to the island tomorrow because Toronto's oh. got a, an island actually that you can take a little ferry to, and you can just go spend the day on the beaches. So you can actually get out of the concrete city and try to get some relief. Oh, how nice. I spent a lot of time in Toronto, actually. Have you? you? know, with the, the boys. Yes, the boys used to always record in Toronto because Michael Cole, their promoter at the time, was from Toronto. So we'd spend six weeks at a time whilst they, whilst they rehearsed and I'd go out and check out Toronto. I loved it there. It was great. We'll make sure to look us up if you ever come back and... <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> for a night out on the town in the old city. Woohoo! Let's go, girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, Shanti was telling me that you just went on an adventure with Bear Grylls. Yeah, I just did um, twenty-eight days on an island just off Panama. There was ten of us uh, to start with, and it's all about survival and. Uh, um, so they just dump you on an island where you have to swim ages to get get to the island, and then they leave you with some machetes, some fish hooks, and say, "I see who survives in twenty eight days." I, <laughs> I was determined to stay, and because it's like an experience that I'll never ever have again in my life, where where you're surviving, but you're also quite safe because they keep an eye on you. But I caught the first fish. Uh, it was a it was a puffer fish. So we couldn't eat it. But um, I actually, apart from the torrential nonstop rain sometimes at night, I loved the whole experience. That's I thought awesome. it was mad. Yeah, yeah, that's a real adventure. But, yeah, it was great. It was really great. And you've cut off from everything. You can't speak to your family. You don't have your phone. You don't have toothpaste, toothbrush, shampoo, nothing. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, of course, you survive. It's great. That's awesome. I am from northern Ontario, and I've done a whole lot of fishing in my life, but to be quite honest with you, I always made my daddy put that worm on the fish hook for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'd never done that before, and I had to break the shells of snails and get out. The first time I I did it, it was like, oh, my God, what am I doing? uh, uh." But by the time I left, I was, like, whacking those shells open and pulling out that now I'm just putting it on there like nothing you know it's it's amazing what you can get used to so quickly yeah it was great I felt like I felt like a real sort of native <laughs> and is that's going to be like a tv show yeah yeah it's out it's out in England in September oh amazing I can't wait to watch it yeah oh my god I've got no makeup and you know I just it's like just being so raw. I, I thought, oh, fuck it. I don't care. What the hell? Um, good. It's a good, it's so a good just, thing for people to see is just realness and rawness and beauty. I was looking at an Insta or an Instagram ad just popped up on my feed today. And it was like, want to know the secret to how all your friends look great in photos? And they like made this girl's eyes bigger and totally changed like her skin tone. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, God. thank you. No, no it's Actually, better maybe... to be weird, isn't it? 
Yeah, maybe you'll appreciate this, Joe, because um, I mean, we'll certainly get into everything about, you know, being like eating and living and organic. And uh, on Wednesday, I'm going to do my first treatment of facial rejuvenation acupuncture because I've never had anything oh, yeah, done, done to my face in my life. Oh, amazing. I've never had anything done. Uh, Lynx and I are both in our 30s now, and I'm just like looking for something natural to just, you know, but just to keep going with what I've got and, and, uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward yeah. to, to trying that out, but you've had it. You like it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I had it, oh gosh, quite a few years ago now, but, um, it was good. In fact, I could do with that again now after that sun damage on the island. Yeah. <laughs> but no, no, yeah, it was good. It, I, my face actually looked better afterwards. It, I don't know what it does, but I love anything natural and alternative. It really it's mad it's you know it's the way it's just start at the beginning uh we always like to begin interviews by going back in time and you know learning about little joe so we were wondering what were your passions growing up and was music always an important part of your life what was your introduction to rock and roll all right so music was music was always around me in my life because my mum was from south africa so she used to play lots of African music which is very similar to reggae so uh, so she was music was on the record player when I grew up nearly every day I think she was always singing and it was yeah uh, so I, and and then my the first time I realized was was when my father was watching this program uh, called ready steady go in the 60s I must have been about eight when he was and he the rolling stones came on the tv and my father goes what disgusting looking lads how ironic anyway um so so, and i looked at them with fascination i thought they look quite cool i mean for a little girl Uh, uh but so then as i grew up my um i in my teens, I, I loved a band called T-Rex. was obsessed oh, with Oh, yeah. So good. And Mark Bolan. I loved Mark Bolan. I thought he was so handsome and kind of feminine, which I didn't really, you know, it was a bit different. He was different from anybody I had ever seen before. So that was my first teenage crush, Mark Bolan. Uh, and then I liked David Bowie as well. He was the next one. So I suppose I was always going for that feminine-looking kind of guy. I am so with you um, on that. Yeah. You were at yeah. like the perfect moment in time for for uh, those guys, that's for sure. Yeah. The, so the 70s mm-hmm. was um, was great for their fashion and for the music. I think that they were. it was great for me as a young girl in the 70s. And I, I, I went out with a guy when I was 15 who had a boutique and he had all these great clothes, but so rock and roll musician clothes. Um, 
and I was in love with all these jackets and flared trousers, and I think that's why I went out with him, actually. Yeah. Um, and then I left, I left home at 16 and went up to London, where there was, uh, where I loved Bieber. And Bieber in the 70s was the most fantastic store in Kensington where this woman called Barbara Hulanicki had opened a small shop and then it got bigger. And then in the end, she had this department store and she had even things like uh, Bieber soup and Bieber baked beans. And she had a men's section, she had shoes, she had makeup. She had, it was just fantastic. I love Bieber. So that was, that was all my, it was, and it was all what they were wearing as, as well at the time musicians were wearing. Amazing. Uh, what a what a great yeah. time. That's so cool. Yeah, it was. So you yeah. began to model while still in your teens. Um, can you describe yeah. what that experience was like for you? Yeah, because when I was about 14, I saw Twiggy and thought, oh, my God, I love Twiggy. And I only wanted to be like Twiggy. Mm. <laughs> of course, I was nothing like Twiggy. But um, I only wanted to be like her. And then that was it for me. I only wanted to be a model uh, and uh, wear all those clothes and beaver clothes. And uh, So my mother found me a modelling course in London at 14. And I used to go up on the train on my own, go to this modelling school, London Academy of Modelling, did my little modelling course. But all I wanted to do was leave home, go up to London and model. And I did that when I was 16. I left home, went up to London. And, uh, uh, and yeah, that's how. And I started with um, an agency and I was the youngest girl on, on their books. And uh, I did quite good. And then I met my first husband. So then it all went out the window. Um, so I got married at 18. <laughs> like almost got married at 18 I had a really serious boyfriend when I was 17 18 then 19 years old and we even moved in together and my you know my extended family were like you're wild you're mad and I remember though saying to him I love you but I gotta spread these 19 year old wings and I gotta go (laughs) and I I, I got I left (laughs) yeah I left him when I was 20 yeah yeah and I was divorced at 21, so there you go. So it wasn't... I, I broke his heart, I know. I had to move on, too. Yeah. Sometimes you got to break then a couple I, of hearts. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, and then I started back working again, because I had a child by then as well. So I started back working again. And uh, uh, um, went to a party one day, and that's when I met Ronnie. I love that part uh, in your book when you talk about uh, meeting Ronnie and uh, your, your little hilarious moment there. Oh, yeah, when I um, when he came up to me and showed me the album cover of him on Black and Blue, <laughs> and he said, that's me, and I thought, oh, my God, he's so full of himself. He said, what do you do for a living? And I said, I work in Woolworths on the broken cookie counter or biscuit counter. And he said, you don't. I said, yes, I do. I have a child to support. I, and uh, this is a good income. Uh, well, not good income. 
And so he said, "What? where do you work? And I said, the main branch in Oxford Street. And he actually went there <laughs> and waited outside the staff entrance. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, he knew what he wanted. Yeah. Who can blame him? <laughs> Hello. Hasta. funny i did have a laugh about that so you've really been surrounded by and been a part of the music scene for a really long time in your entire adult life um looking back yeah. what are some of the biggest highlights you've experienced um some favorite rock and roll moments or best concerts you can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything you might shop while working eating or even listening to this podcast And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey there. Ever wonder what happens to all those amazing screenplays that never make it to the big screen? Wonder no more. Welcome to Table Read Podcast, where we bring those undiscovered gems to life. Picture this. Talented actors giving incredible performances with the occasional laugh or blooper thrown in, produced by award-winning pros. From drama to comedy, TV pilots to feature films, there's something for everyone. And guess what? We release new episodes every week, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Table Read Podcast, where great stories finally get their chance to shine. I suppose a great, one of the great ones was when I went into the, my first studio. And we went to Paris, Ronnie said, come to Paris. And there was that whole story about going to Paris and Keith and Ronnie uh, arrived really late and I was in this tiny little room. Anyway, mm-hmm. a few days later, whenever it was, we, they said, right, we're going to the, into the studio and they were recording in a studio called Pate Marconi. And I'd never been in a studio before. And that was mind-blowing, you know, to sort of, be there and watch them create some girl's album and just sit and watch it every night. And I'd sit there and go, oh, my God, look at that. Keeps playing now. Oh, 
understood music until all that time in the studio and and I could never heard music as it could hear a guitar playing or bass playing or anything but during my time in the studio I learned to pick out instruments and oh yes I can hear Ronnie playing oh my god yes that's his bit there and so it was for me those days in the studio are really special because I just sat there and absorbed it all the best and, uh, kind of musical education. I was just going to say, what better musical education than seeing it and hearing yeah. it with the, the, your own eyes and ears? Yeah. And, it, I mean, first of all, I didn't get it. And then we started, started to hear it and hear it and hear it. And, and, and I, I can hear anything now when I listen to music. I can I hear the instruments. I pick them out. And, you know, it's all of that. So it was wonderful to do that and learn about being in the studio, mind you, it's pretty wild. You'd stay there for 24 hours sometimes mm. <laughs> without sleep. And I built a little club at the back where <laughs> you could come in to Joe's club and uh, uh, have a little rest, have a cigarette, <laughs> have a drink. And then they could, so Ronnie would come in there and Keith would come in there and we'd sit and hang out in my little club. I made out of uh, those sound barriers Aww. and we'd all hang out and little club that I would make. That is amazing. I love Joe's Club. Yeah, Joe's Club. Yeah, that that was great. And then a great concert I I saw was Buenos Aires, and I think it must have been, must have been 89, when they had, the first time the Stones went to Buenos Aires, we arrived at the airport, and it was surrounded by thousands and thousands of people. I thought, what the hell is going on here? And uh, as we drove into the city, the, the fans were leaning out their car just to touch the car Keith was in, or Ronnie, or Charlie, or, or, or Mick. And they followed us to the hotel in, in the thousands, and they stayed outside the hotel the entire 10 days that we were there or maybe even longer we were there wow. and we would sing every night ole 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 <laughs> Keith Keith or Ronnie or Charlie or me and then the show was extraordinary because they all as the music started the entire ground jumped as one and when they were there was 80,000 people there and they they jumped as one, and then they pulled up this flag, the uh, Argentinian flag, and it went from one side to another, and in the middle of the flag was a stone's tongue. It was just amazing. They were amazing. It was it was the most incredible shows I've ever, ever seen. They were great. And, of course, the energy you get from the crowd really uh, affects the boys on stage, and so the shows are electric, you know. It was great. Fandom is such an interesting concept, and we've been really enjoying exploring it and in all its facets. And, but I can't, yeah. I can't imagine that kind of energy. Two nights ago, um, I was like side stage and and backstage after Lynx and I had done an interview that really meant a lot to me, especially because I've been a fan of this band for over half of my life. And for me, that high yeah. and that energy was 
like I, I can't fathom how people can do that night after night. And I had been up late like the night before with some coworkers and I just that rock and roll lifestyle of staying up late with all that energy and having a couple of drinks. Yeah. Like I do it for two days and I am done. parts of your books is when you talk about being on tour and it's really obvious you know the tour lifestyle and those experiences meant a lot to you uh what were some yeah. of your favorite aspects about life on the road and how did you make it feel like a family home still while you know being so far away from home yeah I mean I, I with the kids I miss the kids so much so eventually I got them on the road with us with a, 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 a tutor but um, in the beginning I suppose when I tried to make it home I always took my own pillows <laughs> uh-huh. and I always um, took frame pictures little frame pictures uh, and uh, eventually I used to take my own stove on tour which I designed because I, I became obsessed about what I was putting in my body so I designed a, a portable stove and then I'd get to the hotel and it had two burners so I could do anything with two burners. I, I don't know. I, I, we, we just sort of, I just sort of adjusted quite well to living on the road. And, and uh, I hated packing and unpacking, but I did it well. Uh, and I, you just become a family on the road. Everybody's there. All your friends are there. You... You sort of go, you leave your door open, so you walk from one room to the next, and it it, it becomes it becomes normal. It becomes really normal. Um, and I think the little things that you do, like when you unpack and put books on the table and pillows on the bed and make it feel like home, I'm still quite good at that now. When I go away, I always have to have certain things, you know, that I bring from home. Except on the island, of course. Mm, that's uh, right. The old Joe's uh, Club, yeah, you know. It, 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 yeah, Joe's Club. Joe's Club. But we used to we used to have such fun on the road. I 
spend a lot of time in Keith's room. That was the thing, always in Keith's room. And and uh, so that was better for me because the mess was all the glasses and the booze and everything came up Keith's room rather than ours. <laughs> so I didn't have to clear up so much in the morning. <laughs> yeah, so you could have the Zen room, you could have the party room. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but you... I must admit, we... We did have parties a lot in our room. I, actually, at one point, our room was known as Party Central. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so you are an avid world traveler. Um, what are some of yeah. your favorite destinations or adventures that you've had? Um, well, lots of adventures were on tour, but I've done some adventures uh, on my own. I, a few years ago, I went to Tibet. I went on a pilgrimage, and I went to Mount Kailash. Um, uh, I loved that. I'd always wanted to go to Tibet. A great place to go is Japan. I love the culture in Japan. Um, I love the food, and it's such an interesting place. Uh, Definitely on my list. Yeah, that is a great. And I love South America. I love Brazil. I had some great times in Brazil. And then Kenya is another great place I loved. And I, I went, not so long ago, I went on a walking safari in Kenya. Wow. And, and you you walk through, quite quite amazing, you walk through the, the bush with a guy with a gun in case you get attacked by a lion. <laughs> it made it more exciting. That that was good. Wow, yeah, yeah. I found um, traveling alone is very, very healing. And I started off because Canada is so big that you can travel within Canada coast to coast and it feels like a whole a whole adventure. But I definitely started yeah, small, bet. going to St. John's, Newfoundland, and then kind of m- moving up and eventually ended up seeing the mountains in Nepal before I even got to see the mountains in British Columbia. So... For anyone who's listening right now and has never heard of the term sustainable living, uh, could you explain sort of what that means and why we should all be working toward this goal? Yes. Sustainable living is, uh, I suppose, it's mindfulness, living mindfully of what you're doing to the planet and yourself. Uh, That's it simply. I mean, it's so it's not only taking care of yourself, it's taking care of what you do every day that will affect the planet. So for me, things like recycling, buying organic, uh, um, uh, making sure I don't use much plastic, oh, that for me, plastic's a big issue at the moment. When I was uh, doing that program, I found there was so much plastic washed up on the beach. It was incredible. Uh, uh, that so mindfulness is just being mindful of everything you do to, towards making a better, better planet and a, and a better you. Because if you take care of yourself, you'll be taking care of the planet as well. If you take, think about what you're eating every day and uh, um, not put junk food in your system and Coca Colas and McDonald's and all the rubbish, you need to be have 
fresh, vibrant food to make you feel vibrant in yourself. Yeah. I noticed that... The world, the world's got to change uh, oh, now. 100%. And um, Joe, the, it's actually written into our curriculum. So in our geography textbooks, pretty much all end-of-year projects for every grade is sustainable living. So I was in a lot of grade 7 and 8 classes, so that puts them at about, you know, 12, 13 years old, and they were all doing projects mm-hmm. on different parts of the world, different countries, what all of their initiatives are, and when they're hoping to realize that. So I'm hoping that, you know, our future, you know, our future adults who are now still children, I, I'm hoping that they are actually, like, caring and 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 giving a crap and you know our school is an is yeah. a leading eco school in toronto so we've achieved like oh, gold or platinum status i believe for the amount that we reduce in our initiatives and things like that so it is really important yeah i know noticed- yeah, my my son my yeah. son tyrone he um uh, has a com- uh, has a charity called project zero mm-hmm. which is trying to uh clean the oceans uh he does this by raising awareness uh, he's just got all these hotels the addition hotel to go plastic free um uh, he's doing all sorts of things and he's doing really well with it so i i'm very proud of that that's good i heard a waiter the other day said to somebody would you like a straw for your drinks or would you like to save the turtles oh yeah. Oh, isn't that great? Oh, that's so lovely, isn't it? That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. I noticed though in the UK that all of your fruit and vegetable are in, vegetables are individually packaged in plastic. I would never seen anything yeah. like that before. I think it's terrible. So I go into the supermarket when I go shopping. Sometimes I mainly buy from a farm, but if I go into a supermarket. I will buy the vegetables that are packed in plastic and I will unwrap them as I've checked out uh, and leave them with the rubbish, leave them the plastic. And they said to me, what are you doing? And I said, I'm here just to buy the vegetables. I'm not here to buy plastic. And I just left the store. <laughs> nice. Yeah. You've got to do something. You've got to stand up and say something and be proactive in it all. Yeah. Agreed. Can you talk about your yeah. personal journey into organic living and how it evolved into a full-blown business? Yes. Um, in 1990, gosh, was it 1990? 1990, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease um, after getting really ill and going to the hospital, went to another doctor, and finally they said, you've got Crohn's disease. So they put me on steroids, which bloated me. Uh, and took my soul away actually I didn't feel like the same person I thought Jesus I've I've got to be on these forever this is insane so um, after two years I did a tour as well on steroids after two years uh, I had this article come out in the paper Stone's wife in the incurable disease and I got hundreds and hundreds of letters mail and, and they they sent over this box full of mail for me to read. And I sat on the floor and I read all these people, all these letters these people had sent to me. And one of them said, Joe, I will put your Crohn's disease into remission for life if you take my herbs and uh, follow my diet. I got in my car 
and I drove down to Hastings where he lived and I found his house and it was called Shangri-La and it was a little tiny house and I thought oh my god (laughs) Shangri-La and I walked in I sat down his old boy and he said now tell me what do you eat and I thought what's he talking about what do I eat so I told him, you know, we'll have Kentucky Fried Chicken at the weekend, and we'll do this, we'll do that. Um, but I like to cook on a Sunday. And he started telling me about the chemicals on the food. He talked to me about uh, GMO food, which I hadn't ever heard anything like that before. He talked to me about everything, how food affects me. And it all made sense. Of course we should be eating as nature made meant us to eat. Why am I do, what am I doing? So then I I walked away from him with my diet in my hand and his his herbs and I weaned myself off my steroids and um well, with the help of the uh, Gerald Green, the herbalist. And and I and after two months, three nearly three months, I started to feel like me again. Uh, it was wonderful. I thought, yes, she's back, she's back. Mm-hmm. And and then one day, just like that, boom, I had this terrible pain. They rushed me into hospital. They gave me exploratory surgery, and they found out it was a perforated appendix, and I never had Crohn's disease. That's crazy. So, wow. so I laid in hospital, and I thought, if I hadn't cleaned out my system, I'd have never known what, what was wrong with me, and wow. I would have died of the birthed appendix or perforated appendix so I decided there and then that from now on I was going to be an organic girl and I just changed the way I ate and I changed the way my children ate um Ronnie ate uh, and I and then from there it went on to what was I putting on my skin and and uh, I read some books I started reading lots of books about natural eating and alternative health so then um uh yeah i started making my own little oils organic oils put on my skin then giving them to my friends and then a friend of mine said you should do that properly joe yes that's what i do yeah so that's what i do actually i stopped for a while and i started a year over a year ago now and now i just do my two fragrances two body oils and two candles and I'm just working on a new fragrance now. Amazing. So, love, and it's all, all organic. <laughs> I love that you turn something that, you know, for some would be, you know, something that is so negative into something so incredibly positive. Yeah, I remember when I was ill thinking, why me? And then years later, I think, I know it was meant to be that was. Otherwise, I'd have never been at this point I am now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I read that you actually created an organic pop-up restaurant. What was that experience yes. like? Yes, I was away in Kenya with my daughter and her husband. And at the time, I hadn't long been single. And I lived in lived in a big house, and uh, I was sitting on the beach, and I was just telling Jack about this club I'd been to, and they said it was a pop up club. And Jack went, "Oh, it's a pop up club, yeah, Joe. That's the latest trend: pop up clubs, restaurants, 
um, uh, an art galleries, anything, you can do a pop-up. And I sat down and I thought, you know what? I could do a great pop-up at my house. And I couldn't get the idea out of my head. So I called it Mrs. Paisley's Lashing. Mm-hmm. I grew the food in the garden. I had my friend uh, Arthur Potts-Dawson, the chef. He came and cooked. We did it for two years, um, every now and then. And I first time I did it for two weeks and absolutely wore myself out completely. I thought I'd never run a restaurant. I bet. And then I'd, then I'd do it for a week and then I'd have like three days off and then it bored. You know, and then I started spreading it out. But I'd do it only on good times for the vegetable garden, autumn and spring into summer. Um, somebody just asked me the other day if I was going to do another one in my house here in London. And I'm thinking about it. But it was great because well, what we did, we showed that you could have elegant food uh, that was all organic uh, and um, and it all came within five miles from where, where I lived. And we taught children. We had children over in the afternoon, showed them, picked the vegetables, did all that sort of thing. Some kids didn't even know that carrots were buried in the ground. It was amazing. So true. Um. And then the any profit we made goes to a charity. Beautiful. Yeah. It's amazing. And, you know, it's so different, the tomato that you pick off your own vine, the taste of it compared to the one that you're getting, as you call it, at the yeah. supermarket. Um, it's, yeah. It's really wild. You know, those raspberries that I pick on my farm are so different than the raspberries that I get from the corner store. And I remember years and years and years ago when I had that amazing boyfriend that I almost married. Um, we <laughs> he, he, Actually, we would go grocery shopping together and I'd be picking out fruits and vegetable, vegetables and he'd tell me, these were not grown in Canada. Let's think about where we're getting our food yeah. from. And I was so young at the time that I was just like, you're not my dad. You know, but the guy yeah. was on to something even, you know, like 10 whatever years ago that we dated. And he was so young when he was saying stuff like that. And I was like, now Isn't I look back and I was like, good for him for trying to encourage that. And I can see how it could be hard for some people to change and just being like, well, I love avocados so much and I can't grow them here. So I'm going to have them sourced and, and all that stuff. But you're absolutely right. It's really important to get, you know, like the young people and to know that you can grow it. And it's so delicious and it's so satisfying and you're like proud of it yeah and and an organic uh fruit and veg have like an organic potato has five times more nutrients than an unorganic potato so you really need to have food full of nutrients that feed the body you know and 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 feed your cells and um make you healthy it's no use eating crap that does nothing anyway some people get it some people don't you know, simple as that. You can't convert everybody. I t- I've talked myself into a stupor with my elder son, and he still doesn't get it. But my other kids, Jesse, Ty, and Leah, they get it like that. But Jamie doesn't think it's um, talking sense. It's so weird. Yeah. And it's the same with their people. I can talk to one girl, and she'll get it completely, and then say something else. And, you know, it's just you either get it or you don't. <laughs> Yeah. All we can do is try yeah. to gently guide, and you can't really force anything yeah. on anybody. And it's you up can to them. educate, but no. it's up to them to you know follow through. 
Well, so speaking, exactly. speaking of which, um, in this incredibly busy day and age of go, 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 you know, burnout, all that stuff, what advice would you give to people wanting to set themselves up with an excellent self-care routine? What kinds of activities or holistic therapies would you recommend? Oh, um, uh, well, for a start, I think it's really important what you put in your body. That is the major thing. And then exercise. Um, uh, and I go to an alternative doctor. Um, so I don't, I don't take regular medicine. I will take supplements. Um, good massage. I keep it simple, actually. I love acupuncture. Mm. If she goes, she's going to start naming everything. <laughs> Um, I do a bit of acupuncture every now and then. Uh, but I think you know, the main thing to do is exercise and, and uh, uh, eat a good diet. And I don't it doesn't eat have to be meat. terribly expensive for people. You can exercise at no, home. You uh, can, yep. it, yeah, you can exercise at home. You can walk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Walking is great. Market. Sometimes people yeah, equate walk. exercise and a healthy diet with um, it being expensive. No, uh, um, I was watching something on the TV here the other day about the, how to save money, uh, feed your family well and save money or something like that. And these people were spending on their takeaways £14 for a takeaway in an evening. I mean, you can go and get a load of vegetables for £14. You can make lovely soup. You can have rice and vegetables. and You can do all sorts of stuff with 14 pounds uh you don't have to buy takeaway i can't i've never i haven't had to take away in years so i don't know she tell a lie i had an organic vegan pizza the other day (laughs) it was so good um yeah i don't yes i think people assume that it's going to cost a lot to keep healthy but it's not true it's just not true well, your Instagram account with all of those amazing, all oh, the amazing food, yes. it's, it's such a beautiful and visually beautiful and inspiring place to go. I would definitely recommend people to head over to uh, Joe Wood Organic. Too. Uh, thank you. Have you seen my other one as well, the Hey Joe Rock and Roll? No. Oh, no. There's so all did, my old rock pictures on that. How did we miss this? I'm, I'm looking it up as we it. speak. Hey Joe, rock and roll, and it's all my old rock pictures. Oh my god! Oh, and these are all the pictures. Oh my goodness! (laughs) These are all the rock pictures that I I put up, and I'm just about to do get a book deal. Actually, I'm working on uh, all just it's like a scrapbook. So I've got so much stuff I've collected over the years, little notes and uh, concert tickets and pictures and. Uh, just all sorts of stuff. So um, tomorrow I've got a big day with editing tomorrow because um, I think I've got my book deal. So I'm so happy. I've got my fingers crossed. I've just, Joe. I've just got to take in the first chapter the week after next. <laughs> that is so fantastic. So we were going to ask you, like, what kind of adventures you have on the horizon. On the horizon. So with your, you know, maybe another pop-up restaurant and this book it just sounds like you're doing so many amazing things and we couldn't be happier about that because this is all so important in the big wheel that is rock and roll but also to be doing things that you love that you're passionate about which is like 
educating people on just like happy and healthy living. It is just exactly the things that we love to talk about and celebrate. So good for you. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. Everything is good at the moment. Um, And uh, I I, I just love to be busy. I can't sit around. I need to be doing stuff. So what kind of exercise do you like? Are you more of a high intensity, fast paced kind of thing? Or do you like to do yoga? Um, I go boxing. Oh, cool! I go boxing. In fact, I'm going uh, Wednesday. I haven't been. I haven't been for well because I've only been off the island three weeks. <laughs> three weeks, um, and I went away with my daughter to Croatia. So I'm going back boxing first time back on Wednesday. Woohoo! Beautiful. It's scary. Kickboxing back. Door on Thursday. Had to get back into that. Oh, did you? Oh, no, this is just real boxing with real boxing gloves, you know. I've been doing it maybe five, six years now. But apart from that, I'll go up to my local gym and just work out with some weights, a bit of cardio. Fantastic. I did do a lot of yoga for years. And then I decided, no, I've done that. I can do that. I'm going to do something different. So that's when I took up boxing. Good to mix it up. Yeah, definitely. So, you also have this amazing adventure that you just filmed with Bear Grylls, and you said that's coming out September. I'm so yeah. excited to see this. I'm I'm so pumped for this. That like I, <laughs> it sounds like god. it's going to be amazing. <laughs> oh my god! I hope so. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, you forget that cameras are on you. Um, I I just enjoyed it. Uh, there was somebody there that was bit of a pain but I'm not supposed to talk about it until it comes out so. fair enough and what's the show going to be there called it goes. it's just called the island with bear grills amazing not well, that he stays there with us he, he drops you off and says <laughs> see you in 28 days and you think what you're not going to help us <laughs> well you know what it to just say you kind of forget the cameras that are there because you were having such a good time that's such a good message, right? It's really inspiring to go like, you know yeah. what, just forget the cameras, just forget this and just have a good time. I think that's going to be important for people to see that. And uh, just yeah. in general, Joe, you're very, very inspiring. And it's been a real pleasure kind of following what you've been doing. And then Lynx and I looking at each other and going, one day we would love to talk to her and like putting you on our list of just this 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 dream kind of interview because you really are this mix of everything that we really care about so thank you for being here thank you that's so nice of you to say that this means so much to us really thank you so much oh that's a real pleasure well i'm here if you need to talk to me again we absolutely oh. would love to do that. I think this is what's been some, one of the nicest things about this whole experience is that you get to watch what people are doing from afar and then hopefully kind of touch bait, like touch, I don't know, what is it, get into contact with them and then establish this thing where we realize how supportive this community is, how supportive women can be of one another, how yeah. we can really build each other yeah. up and support one another and, and, and see what everybody else is doing and then continue to yeah. kind of grow this thing together and try to bring on these messages of like fun and happiness and rock and roll and healthy living and, and sisterhood, all of yeah. this stuff together. So thank you for helping I us. Think- 
Oh, no, and thank you very much for 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 supporting me. That's great. Always, we always, and I can't wait to see, you know, how things continue to go for you. And I know a lot of really exciting things are happening with us. We've been doing this for about a year and a half, super, super, super independently, just Links and I. And yeah. now it's like somebody said to us the other day, "Well, girls, you realize like when it rains, it pours. It's all gonna come." rushing at one time so it's really cool that you're that we've kind of talking to you now because a lot of things are are happening with us and joining and we've joined a network and we're getting ads and sponsorship and just the testament to the patience and hard work I guess yeah it's all yeah it's all about hard work you put the work in and you get your rewards I know that yeah and I think people yeah. are starting to realize, you know, where we're going with this and what we're doing and speaking with these women who were there and wanting to know their stories, not only what they've done in the past and these amazing stories, but also the things that they're doing now to make the world better, because that's what we're yeah. seeing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And as women and, you know, as women and mothers, we, we should all stick together because, you know, the the men haven't got that motherly instinct in them and women are really great carers and you know we care more for the planet than i think a man does well yeah. most men yeah yeah, yeah. The way. yeah. leading the way yeah. so we will absolutely yeah. be keeping in touch and keeping in in contact and uh i'll let you know when the book comes out please well do. i'm sure absolutely we'll yeah. chat again uh, Okay, definitely. I'm sure that I will go and promote it over there. So, because that's what the publisher was talking about. So that would be great. Oh, what another dream that Come would to be! Toronto, yes. yay! Dream. Yeah, we'll have great. A, we'll have a Toronto adventure. We'll have a Toronto adventure. All right, definitely. You're up. I'm up for that. It's been a real pleasure okay. getting to know you so far. I think I know people are going to be so excited. Thank you, Shanti and Lynx. I love your names. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Have you ever watched a futuristic sci-fi movie and wondered, but wait, could any of this really happen? And will I live long enough to see it? That's what our show Hypothetical is about. I'm Carrie Bechet, and on this podcast, we ask what-if questions about the future. Like, what if we could read minds? What if the world's digital data was erased all at once? What would happen if the Yellowstone supervolcano erupted? Then we explore that question two ways, through speculative science fiction and through dialogue with brilliant scientists. The result is a genre-bending narrative that's interwoven with real facts provided by literal geniuses. And, spoiler alert, a lot of the science fiction out there, it's not nearly as far-fetched as you might think. Come time travel with me into the future on Hypothetical. New episodes on Tuesdays available on all your favorite podcast apps. Just search Hypothetical. That's H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L.